Welcome to the Ambitious Introvert Podcast, created especially for introverts, empaths, and highly sensitive entrepreneurs to help you build, grow, and scale a successful, sustainable business. I'm your host, Emma Louise Parks, business and mindset coach for ambitious introverts. After 17 years working as an air traffic controller, the ultimate fast-paced, high-stimulus, extrovert-friendly role, my mission now is to show introverts that they too can create big results and success because of who they are, not in spite of it. I focus on introvert-friendly business and marketing strategy to help you switch overwhelm for clarity, confidence, and clients. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Ambitious Introvert Podcast with me, Emma Louise. My voice is very slowly returning, so apologies for the third week, third or fourth week of huskiness. But I hope that you are well. I hope you're having a fantastic summer and I am really thrilled that you're still tuning in to the podcast, even though it is summer season. So this week, my guest is someone that pitched me via email and you probably heard me say this before, but when people pitch me for the podcast, majority of the time, they are not a great fit. It's probably, maybe I would say one in 40, something like that, works out really well. But when I got this email from Candice D'Angelo and I read what she was about and what her business was about, I knew that it was going to be a great conversation. So Candice is the founder of The Selling Lab, which is a sales training agency where she helps online and offline business owners to level up their sales skills. She has a huge background in sales, which she shares all about and really saw this gap where people are focusing on delivering a great client experience and marketing really well on social media and providing a good service and all of these things that are super important, but that there was this missing piece around sales. And of course, if we are not confident or competent at selling, at closing the sale, it is going to have a detrimental effect on our business. So this was a really great conversation. I loved chatting to Candice. We hear a little bit more about her journey into entrepreneurship what she has struggled with, with perfectionism, with her messaging, the common mistake that she sees people make, whether it's introverts or extroverts, when it comes to sales calls. And we also talk about the fact that it can feel really hard to stand out when we feel like our market is saturated and everyone is doing something like we do. So I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. Whether you are someone that is accomplished at sales and you have no problem whatsoever, or whether it is something that maybe still fills you with a little bit of ick, or you feel like you haven't quite nailed down, I know that this conversation with Candice is going to be valuable to you either way. So thanks very much for tuning in. I'll see you next week. Well, thank you for joining me. Absolutely. I'm excited to meet you because we have obviously connected over email and I read your form about what we're going to be chatting about today. And as I said to you before we hit record, I was like, yes, we have not covered sales for introverts for a long time on the podcast. I think probably about 18 months. So this is very timely. And thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Would you consider yourself an introvert? So as of last year, I learned that I might quite, I quite possibly think I am an introvert by definition of if people exhaust me or if I go if like on calls, if that exhausts me, then I am more of an introvert than an extrovert. And I do find myself that like I can get exhausted by 
minimal processing. So it doesn't take much for my body to process for me to retreat. So I do believe that I'm an introvert in that regard, but I also think that I have this extrovert quality that if I walk into a room, I just turn it on and I can just talk to anybody and walk up to anybody and just get over that fear really really quickly. I feel that. And that's a really important distinction because the true definition or, you know, part of the true definition is that needing time alone to recharge. And actually a lot of my, some of my clients are extroverts and I'll say to them, you know, we'll, we'll do their Myers-Briggs. I'm like, you know, you're not technically an introvert. And they're like, mm, but I still do feel like I need that time, you know, alone to to recharge. And of course, when we're building a business, that's what we're building it around to make sure it sustains our energy. So if we're on all the time, like you say, that wouldn't work for you because you'd just be exhausted. Yeah, that's such a, a loaded question. I really, I got, I became an entrepreneur in a very unconventional way. I was a headhunter in over here in the States. And I then switched over to medical sales. So it was an outside sales for six years. And I just decided one day that I wanted to have a family. So I didn't decide that I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to do all of the things. I just wanted to have more of a family. And in order for me to be able to do that, I knew that I needed flexibility, flexibility that a corporate structure would not be able to provide for me and my family. So I knew I had a skill set. I was really great at connecting and I was a people person and I was dubbed that name by an old boss, old mentor of mine. And I wanted to use that skill set and I started a business and I wanted to have that flexibility and I I gave myself flexibility. So entrepreneurship was something that I fell into and came into in a very unconventional way. So lifestyle first, business second. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Because it's so easy to say that. And then people end up building businesses that become like jobs to them. And they go, oh, but I'm at home all the time. But actually, I'm on the laptop for 13 hours a day or whatever. Yeah, that's that's a really great point. I don't think there is such a thing as work-life balance in the way that we have defined it as like, okay, if I do all these things now and I work really hard right now and I get through this really busy season, then I'll be able to have that laptop lifestyle. And it's just not a thing. And work-life balance isn't a destination and work-life balance is a mindset. And I've learned that the hard way. Totally. And also, I think balance is always a little bit... Because balance (laughs) makes it seem like it's 50-50, which... Right. Right. And to different people, their priorities are different or, like you say, different seasons of business and things. So... So I love that. So I appreciate you sharing that the motivating factor wasn't the kind of kudos or the money or any of that, but it was like the lifestyle. Yeah, that was a lifestyle. It was the it was my autonomy, right? I chose my autonomy to be able to choose and to be able to decide. And my uh, growing up, everybody always asked me, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And usually, like people answer, "Doctor, lawyer, or you know, whatever, veterinarian." All these really like high level roles, and I just wanted to be a good mom. At a really young age, my answer was, I want to be a good mom. And I'm, I kid you not, I remember saying that to people. So it's not surprising to me that I left it all behind with the first choice of like, this is how I'm going to be a good mom is to be able to say, okay, well, 8.30 in the morning, I have to be at school for, you know, donuts with mom and I can do that. And I'm thankful for that opportunity that I've been able to give myself every single day. 
So what came first, the first child or the business? The first child. Yeah, the first child. His name is Alexander. He's nine now. And I actually took that job in medical sales for the flexibility that sales offered, you know, make your own schedule. And it really wasn't because the more successful you are in sales, there's the momentum is what makes sales successful. So if you take time off, you lose momentum. And I learned that fast. And it was sad. And I love sales and I love medical sales and I, I miss it very much. But I realized that medical sales wasn't really the answer to my my autonomy and making that a priority and being able to build not just my success, but also a family. So did you have a robust plan as in, right, I have this skill set. I know sales. I'm I'm people person. Did you know exactly or did you think you knew, let's say, exactly what a business would look like for you? No, I I thought I was if I can, if I look back, I thought that it was going to be work from here, work on the plane, go here, stop for a minute and work, you know, this very like fluid concept, but I didn't know what it took. So I think that you you have this assumption that you, you fantasize and you romanticize owning your own business. But when you get into it, you really quickly realize that like, it's harder than a corporate job because a corporate job is feeding you business. A corporate job is feeding you. It's like a franchise. Here you have to make it on your own. And so I really didn't have a plan. I built the plane as I was trying to fly it. And I think that's a really great... I really think that's a great plan. And I do recommend build the plane while you're flying it for the most part because you want to make those mistakes early on. You want to learn how to build a plane very early on. You don't want to be five years in going, I don't know anything. I wish I would have done this differently or that differently. Like make your mistakes early on. I had this exact conversation with a client today because she's Mm. very uncomfortable with messy action and scrappy action. Mm. And as I was at the start, you know, it's it's an ongoing process and learning for me. But when we want things to be right and perfect, as you say, you can sit there behind the scenes for a long time, changing the fonts and the colors and thinking everything, (laughs) these things are going to make the difference. And then you put something out in the world and actually what you needed was just to be out there or making connections or learning and adapting and evolving along the way. You actually said a very, a key word, a very operative word within that sentence is along the way and adapting. What ends up happening is that that perfectionism takes hold and we don't make any moves. And then we've created this very perfect, very beautiful, very pristine business But what we've forgotten is that we as people, we evolve and we grow. And because of that, our business as well is going to grow. And how we want to run it is going to grow, which means it's going to change. So what's actually going to end up happening after you've perfected it and then launched it, your growth is going to change. And then you're going to want to change the font because that font no longer serves you. (laughs) So... That this is how I put it into perspective for clients that that say that same thing. You're going to be so mad at yourself in about three months from now because hope the hope is that you're gonna change. You want to change. You want to evolve. So those same things are going to serve you. So it's just best to just get out there and take messy action. And the change in the evolution happens much faster than I think people <laughs> expect. And I had 
oh my gosh, my old Brandon, I... I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good, but it wasn't <laughs> bad. But I had it for, oh, pushing three years, probably two and a half to three years. And it was fine for like a year. And then after a year, I was like, I've really got to do something about this. And then a ton of stuff happened. And then by the time we got the new stuff out in the world, I looked at the old and I was like, I can't even. Look <laughs> I can't at even it. bear it. Yeah. Yes, because it doesn't, re- you feel like it doesn't represent you anymore. Mm. And it will actually drain your energy. Which we do not want as introverts. Which is, which is what we do not want. So mm-hmm. it's better to take messy action in the beginning and then really like learn about yourself as a... Because you too are also taking on a new role and a new hat and a new identity or adding to your identity, right? As a business owner, you have no idea how you're going to receive all of that. So it's best to take messy action and just be a sponge for the first six months and then make very definitive moves from there because you're going to feel really good about it at that point. I definitely want that clip to be on one of our audiograms on social media, be a sponge, because I can agree more, be a sponge. Soak it all up. Soak it all up. Just soak it all up because you don't know what you're going to like and you have no idea what you're not going to like. And you have no idea that like somebody, I remember in the beginning, when I would have clients, some of my clients, and and I hope that this is always the case, they always teach me something new about my own business, whether mm. that is a piece of the onboarding process that we need to implement because they do that. And it's like, wow, that's a really genius idea. Or they have this font that you're like, wow, I feel so connected to that font. Or just the way in which they operate that one little sliver of piece you incorporate into your business. So then that's how we really built our both of both sides of our business is like through taking pieces of things that we have really felt connected to that we've been taught. So that leads beautifully into actually what I was going to ask you next, which is here we are in 2023. What does your business, stroke businesses, what does that look like at this current iteration? Uh, I love that question because we've definitely evolved over the last five years. So the selling lab, I started out coaching and consulting. And I was working hourly and I was like scraping by with hours like, okay, I just, how do I get one more hour? You know, I was charging $50 an hour, which, you know, I think is really great as a side hustle five years ago, but it also created this like high level amount of anxiety that's like, how am I going to sustain this? And so we moved from that business model to a packaged model. And then I decided that I don't want to coach anymore. And I didn't want to coach anymore. I wanted to just do things where I could reach a large audience and just talk about what I feel I could talk about in my sleep and hope that others that are listening will take that information and they can make their businesses and their lives better for it. I even felt like I didn't want to charge for my expertise. I, you know, if you wanted to work with me one on one, that's a different scenario, but like that wasn't my go to anymore. And so the Selling Lab became this free community. We created a community on Circle. It's a free community where anybody can join. And there are free trainings every single month. And it's because the Instagram algorithm itself can be harsh. And especially to introverts, it's so hard for us to put ourselves out there to begin with. So creating this community was really a place where people can come to and feel like they were included without having to put themselves out there. And so the Selling Lab is that free community now where you can come and get sales trainings and we have people come every month. And I, we had a sales funnel training last month that was free. We're going to be having operations come in and that's free. You know, like there's this place that I'm coming from these days that it's a place of freedom 
And you don't have to feel like because you can't afford it, you shouldn't have access to it. That just started rubbing me the wrong way as as we started to scale up in price with a lot of these things and it just felt exclusive, but excluded. And I didn't like that. The accessibility piece has been a huge, a huge mindset piece for me in the last year to 18 months, especially with, you know, as a coach or consultant, like you say, the scaling is a lot of the time package it up, increase prices, which creates a disjoint at the bottom should we say. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but also I have been very much, I don't want to just create something just to bring revenue if it's not going to create some kind of result or transformation for, for the client. And where is that? But it's taken me a long time to be like, <laughs> where is that balance that I can charge a lower amount for something, but know that people are still going to be able to take it and run with it and, and get value? Yeah, absolutely. And I I strongly believe that that's where we're going. I strongly believe that like we've had our moment and we've had our time to we've almost, we've actually been trained to pay high ticket which I think is valuable but what ends up what's happened is how can we discern one from one high ticket program from another and that's also something that in the selling lab like we work for coaches like our job is to help coaches stand out and sell out their coaching programs without having to charge more because your branding is more. How do we how do we correspond the value through your messaging for your coaching program that helps sell out through traditional sales techniques? We've always prided ourselves on traditional sales techniques. It's always been the basics. And I don't mean like basics like not good enough, but basics like those those will never die. Those sales techniques that we teach will always be relevant and will always move the needle faster and make more of an impact than newer techniques that come and go. So the fundamentals versus the trends. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk talk to us. Tell us about the fundamentals because I know so many of my, you know, people in my audience are like, I love my business. I love working with clients, but I hate selling. Mm-hmm. And I think that in it, in it of itself, that statement there is the problem because sales actually happens as a byproduct of everything that you do up until that point where there's an exchange to be made. And that should happen naturally. And that comes with your messaging. That comes with like the effort that you've put in. I still like, I still do lots of free things. I, I, we've onboarded a client started in May 1st and we had done pitching for her on the PR side. We've done pitching for her for the month of April because the stuff that was coming through was just too good to pass up. So, you know, we, we're not in this like, well, if they don't want to buy, they're not my buyer. Or, you know, if they can't afford it, they're not my buyer. And I just think that's a false sense of confidence that we give to ourselves so that we don't have to feel rejected. But I think it's the rejection. So when we're talking about tell us, Teach us your ways of these foundational sales skills. So the first one starts with your confidence and your ability to accept rejection as nothing personal. It's not personal. You know, you have a business, they have a business, it's business. And that no isn't necessarily, I don't like your hair color. That no is, I'm not feeling it. That no is, you haven't really like brought the value. I don't see the value. So that's a sales skill being able to bring about that value and extract it from the buyer. What I've seen, I mean, we've 
We have critiqued over hundreds of discovery calls and sales calls. And the most common mistake that people will make, extrovert or introvert, the most common mistake that somebody will make on a sales call is trying to sell themselves. And they do it very quickly. So it sounds a little something like this. Hi, Mr. So-and-so, ba-ba-ba-ba. They get through the, oh, it's so great to meet you. All the niceties, right? They get through the niceties. And then the buyer takes control of the conversation, says something like, so tell me about how you do what you do. Tell me a little bit about your process. And then all of a sudden the buyer or the seller goes, well, we create this, we do that. And here's how we structure this. And they start selling their offer in a way that looks like a strategy, but you're really like showcasing your capability. And and really that's way too soon in the conversation. And what needs to be done is absolutely, I'd love to share with you what I do, but if you don't mind, I want to backtrack just a little bit. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. I've been able to go through, see how you take back control of the conversation. So here's a tip for your audience. The person who is asking the questions is always in control of the conversation. That's such a key piece for introverts mm -hmm. as well, especially Mm -hmm. if they're coaches and consultants, because within their role with a client, most of them will have no issue taking the lead and leading the conversation (laughs) because that's what they're trained to do. But in a sales situation, I can <laughs> totally see with what you're saying, how it becomes reactive and feels like almost like a proving energy. Like, oh, yeah. you've asked me this, so I need to tell you everything because otherwise you're not going to buy from me. Well, I think you actually brought up a really good point. A consultant is a very reactive role because we then we go into the business and we audit, right? We look at what's going, where's the, the, where's the break in the process? Like, where's the break in the operation? So we look at that and then we react to the break. So it's already conditioned in our minds as consultants and coaches is like to find the break first. So it's really hard in a sales conversation to not do that. That's an inherent trait characteristic. It's, it's, we're conditioned. So that's where, that's where coaches and consultants have a hard time. So we want to take back control of the conversation and that's a foundational sales skill. So I remember going into my accounts in my medical sales days and Before I open the door, I say, okay, what do I want to accomplish today? What am I going to ask? I'm going to ask when they're getting their nails done. Very obscure, very like off the cuff. It had nothing to do with what I was, the objective. The point was to make conversation and be in control of the conversation. And when they responded, the color that they were going to get, I'd be like, oh, I should try that. Where do you go? Another question. Your nails done. Oh, Oh, is that by so-and-so? Yeah. So you're just asking questions. And then once you've broken that barrier, then you can ask the question that goes straight for the jugular. So do you have any so-and-so, you know, you know, you get into the conversation that you want to reach the objective. So it's really like all about asking the questions first. So that's one of the foundational skills that love for your audience to be able to pick up, make sure you're in control of the conversation. And that works both ways because I'm thinking about when I have had sales calls with mentors, coaches, consultants that I've gone on to hire is, no, I don't want someone that's just talking at me and I've got no opportunity to, you know, interject because then I would feel like, oh, but equally, if someone sat there and they, they weren't interested or if it felt like they couldn't lead a conversation and they couldn't hold that space for me, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, "Mm, do I want to invest in this person? Mm -hmm. I actually think that's such a really valid point. 
And I've seen calls like that too, where they just keep going and going and going. And then we do this and we keep going. And it's like, you can see it on the face of the buyer. They're gone. They've lost interest. So it's really hard to get a call back on on track. And we do have in the community free resources. And one of those free resources is sales call flow sheet, where it walks you through when to stop talking. (laughs) There's literally like highlighted in bold, don't say anything else. Like there, we know that this is a problem. Don't make it your problem. <laughs> so we do have that. <laughs> I'm laughing because you would think that's an extrovert problem. Like stop talking. Don't say anything else. But it's actually an introvert problem because the nerves take over. Mm-hmm. It's like, I need to get everything out. I need to just like, yeah. say as much as possible. I I actually think that's a really good point. I also think that it's that awkward silence that they're we're trying to avoid as introverts. There's this like it's very physically like you, that's a physical palpable feeling is that awkwardness when there's so much silence. So we just keep talking to like fill the silence, and that's also what's happening. You've got to honor the pause, as they would say. <laughs> honor the pause. If it feels uncomfortable, you're in the right direction. I would say that's one thing as a coach that isn't so bad for me because I'm used to asking a client a question and then being like, okay, I, I can wait while you process that. But I I totally can see that. And in society, we're not trained to sit in silence. We're trained to fill the gaps. Yeah. I have a question for you. Mm, please. So when you ask a question and there's this awkward silence and pause, do you take that as a positive or do you think, or do you take that as a negative? I take that as a positive. Mm-hmm. Can you expand why? Because if someone doesn't have an immediate answer, and I'm talking more from a coaching point of view sure. than, a, than a sales call, but it, but it could work both ways. Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't have an immediate answer and they've gone quiet, it means that they, they're digging deep and they're searching yes. within and they're yes. not just responding and reacting and saying the thing that they think they should say. It means that they're, they're actually delving in there to be like, mm, okay. And that's where the shifts come. Mm-hmm. You, you just, so yes, it's just, it works the same in sales. You want them to dig. You want them to go beyond surface level because that's where the value is for them. They're going to tell you the value if they can dig deep enough to find it. And so that value is the answer that comes up after that long pause. And that is what you attach your solution to. Hey, could you give us an example of how that might look in real time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to. So what kind of coaches are in your program? Oh, I work with energy coaches. I work with career coaches. I work with leadership coaches. Okay. A vast array. So we'll go with career coaches. Career coaches probably work with executives that either want a promotion or want to leave their current job and move to another one. So one of the things that they would most likely ask to get that pause, to get that deep answer, that value answer that they attach their solution to is, how is your current job impacting your life? So that's one very deep question, right? And what we would probably do in a newer scenario is go, here's some examples and try to lead them with examples, but you don't want to do that. You want them to really like, go to a vulnerable place that they're most likely hiding and then give you, expose you to that and pull back the curtain to that. So that's one example. Another example could be just thinking about somebody that I had recently. Would you say that 
by not going after that promotion, you're possibly missing out on opportunities to make more money. And so you're framing the question, which it's obvious, yes, question, but that's the point. You want, you want to frame it to where you know what the answer is when it's a question like that. And then that hurts. So saying yes, that I'm leaving money on the table because I'm not going after it automatically helps them to visualize I need to go after it. And so because you were able to pull, go into a vulnerable place with them and then for them to visualize that the urgency in that moment, you're the right person for the job. So these are those examples that like pause because those are very uncomfortable. Like you want to be like, here's some examples that what you could answer or like, would you say yes? Yeah. And then you're doing one of these. You're shaking your head yes to get them to do this. I'm shaking my head as I'm listening to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we just have to like be mindful of give them space because if you're going to answer the question for them, they're not going to find the value of what you're about to tell them the cost of your program is. Totally. And I think there's a nice distinction there between not you're not opening the sales call as a coaching call. You're not delving straight in and leaving them completely open and vulnerable, but you're asking them the type of questions that they need to know the answer to, to be able to make an informed decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. So following on from that, another topic that can be a little bit controversial in the online space is coaching through objections. Which is something you specifically mentioned in your form. So I have some feelings and thoughts about this. There are, there's a vast array from the people that are like, no, you are there as a coach to serve. If someone is getting on a call, it's your duty to coach them through the objections so that they can work with you and have their best life. Other people are like, no, you do not coach through objections. You people have their own autonomy to make a decision. You just give them the information, leave it to them. I understand both of those are extreme, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. within your business, what do you generally suggest to people about overcoming objections? I don't think they have a choice. I think that it's twofold. It's a loaded question because objections usually come with inexperienced sellers. So inexperienced, so if you match up an inexperienced seller, which is somebody who's new with a very experienced buyer, you don't have, you're going to have objections. If you're matched up with an experienced seller, no matter who is on the buying side, whether they're experienced or not, you're going to have less objections. And the reason for that is because you're experienced in asking the right questions. You're experienced in being the expert because you've niched down and you're talking to the same type of person over and over and over again. So that same type of person is going to have the same objections. So if you niche down, you become an expert in your niche, you're an experienced seller, you're answering those possible objections way up front and you're not going to have those objections. So I think it's it's a loaded question with a loaded answer. I also think that there's so much information at our fingertips and Instagram specifically is the Google of socials and people turn to Instagram for information and they're it's a competitive market. It's hypersaturated. So I think the buyers are a little overwhelmed with who to go with. And it's really hard as a buyer to stand out in a, a hypersaturated market. But the key to standing out in a hypersaturated market is to niche down because 
all everybody in your niche is going to have the same problems, which you can use in your content to market and in your messaging and to position you as an expert in your messaging so that when they come to you, they're highly qualified. They've already known because they've binged your content, because in your content, you're positioning yourself to handle the problems that they have. So when they come to you, they're ready to buy. They already know you can handle it. So there's less objections by the time they get to you because of those things. I was having this conversation with someone a while ago with a client, actually. And I said, I probably have a lot less sales calls than a lot of other coaches, but my close rate on sales calls is extremely high. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a number of things. One is I've been in this niche for a long time. My audience maybe need a little bit more nurturing, a little more time to warm up, which is fine with me. I'm not going mm-hmm. anywhere. I'm in business <laughs> for a long time. But but also because of the the type of content that I put out, things like the podcast, people have a good idea. And when they're ready, they generally don't book call. They're not going, I'm just going to book a call with 10 different coaches and see who feels good. That's, right. that's not just how they buy. Some people buy like that and that's fine. But I'm I'm like, okay, I'm okay with the fact that I'm not on a ton of sales calls because most people, by the time they book a call, they're 99% of the way there to decide in that it, this is a good fit. Mm-hmm. I think you're, I think you've, that's the key that everybody, that's the secret that everybody's like searching for. And they're getting quite frustrated trying to find the answer. But really that's the key is like being very distinct in your messaging and being consistent in your messaging and not worrying about vanity metrics or how much views you're getting in this and that. Because when somebody's ready to buy, they're going to look at all of your content. They're not just going to buy from you from that one thing. So we have to use that real estate strategically to outline all of those things that a buyer would be looking for to hire you. I remember seeing, this is slightly off topic, but also relevant. Someone did a graph of the critical mass of content. Mm -hmm. But if you create like, an amount of content, I don't know, three posts a week or one blog post a month or whatever, that if you're optimizing SEO and if you are posting it on, you know, a social media platform, there was a point that you would get to a critical mass that you probably wouldn't have to create any further content as long as you Uh were still visible because you would have that bank. Like you say, people aren't just buying Mm -hmm. off one thing that someone would find you, your, you know, one blog post would come up and then they would go back and they could see that you three years of blog posts or something like yeah. that. You know, I think it just it just reminded me of the way that marketing works for retail. And I would love to have people start realizing that this is how you, your business is no different than a major retail store like Nike or Adidas or just a big retail chain. I know here in in our malls, there are small mom and pop stores that are independently owned in their clothing that I don't step foot in because I don't know if they're going to be around. But I know that one Nike store is going to be the same as a different Nike store in terms of what they offer. So if I can make my messaging consistent in the same way that these large retail chains make their businesses consistent no matter where you go, you know that you're going, you know what you're going to get when you're ready to purchase and put it on. So that works the same way with us is that that's what, that's what marketers are talking about when they're talking about consistency. And you can't sell if your marketing isn't doing that. I just want to say for anyone listening going, but I don't have three years worth of blog posts and, you know, I'm just starting out or whatever. 
when I niche down to introverts, because I was very, very watered down and I clue what I was talking about, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I knew how to serve clients because I, I'd done it offline. But from a marketing point of view, I was, I was very basic. But when I niche down to introverts, even before I had my first client, the response from people was like, oh, that's me. Or yes, uh-huh. I love this. And it, it was that resonance. And it, it took me by surprise because mm. to a logical brain, I think sometimes niching down feels like you're excluding a lot mm-hmm. of people, especially because mm-hmm. you're very specific niche like introverts. Mm-hmm. And then, in fact, the opposite happened, that people <laughs> resonated. So everything that you're saying, like that consistency piece, because people yeah. were like, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. So are you familiar with, so a lot of the younger kids, I say younger because I'm 43, but the so young kids I. are wearing like, are you really? I am. You don't look at You don't look oh, did it to you. <laughs> a bit of mutual appreciation there for our aging. <laughs> but you know, the champion sweaters with the little champion logo. Yeah. I was in high school. Yeah, in the 90s. Yeah. Wearing that. Yeah. And they never changed. They were consistent. They never changed their logo. They never changed their look. And I swear, I'm so mad now that I got rid of my champion sweater from back in the day because it's, it would be, it would be, it would qualify as vintage. So it would be looked after and sought after in a much higher regard now. But the point that I'm trying to make is like that consistency. They're still selling. They're still selling. I'm 43. I was 18, 19, 20. We're talking 20 years. So how are you going to tell champion they're wrong? How are you going to tell Nike that they're wrong? They're not. They're to prove, not. To prove that point even more, as you said it, I could picture the champion logo. Mm-hmm. And I haven't thing. seen it for a while, but I, I can picture it. And I'm like, yeah, when you said they haven't changed, like, I know exactly what it looks like. Mm-hmm. They haven't changed at all. So that's the messy action that you have to take because maybe you will change, maybe you won't, you know, like, but you have to know that you'll grow. And you're going to be able to exceed and succeed past your wildest dreams because you are consistent. I'm going to wrap up there because consistency is one of my favorite words. So (laughs) knowing that you are consistent is the perfect end. I'm going to drop all of your links in the show notes so people can come and connect with you. They can find your community and learn more about selling. But before I let you go, I'm going to ask you two questions that you've opted not to be (laughs) pre-warned about. So yes. And the first one being, if you could recommend one book to any ambitious introvert in my audience that is growing a business, which book would you recommend? Spin Selling. Okay. This is exciting because I've never heard of it. Mm -hmm. Spin. I mean, I have a ton of books. Spin Selling by far. If I would recommend that one for sales specific. I can also recommend one that's not sales specific, but more growing a business specific. Yeah, why not? Let's go for two. Drawing a blank. Uh, selling. It's not about selling. It's drawing a blank. It's on my nightstand. Hold on. Pause. pause are you going to go to your nightstand and get it? <laughs> no, no, no. It's right here. Hold on. Here. Okay. I'm so sorry. It's not here. That's okay. I said, don't worry about it. So forget it for now, but I will definitely send it to you. But it's Built to Sell. Built to Sell. That's the name of the book, Built to Sell. And it really, the, the idea of the book is to scale down. Amazing. I love that it's still got sell in the cycle. So we've, we've, seen, yeah, we've right? stayed on, on track. We've stayed on theme. Amazing. I'll drop the links to those in the show notes too. And lastly, what is the biggest 
mindset shift or reframe that you've had that's enabled you to get the level of success that you have today? Oh, I've had quite a few. I'm not saving lives. And unless I'm saving lives, I it's not an urgent thing that has to be done right in this very moment. So I've given myself grace and just saying, it's not serving me right now. My energy is not there. I'm not going to serve that purpose because my energy is not there. So I'm just going to put it to the side right now and do something off the beaten path where I can recharge and recoup my energy so that I can serve that task in a way that is going to make an impact for the person on the receiving end. Perfect. Thank you mm-hmm. for You're that welcome. wisdom because it's so true. And thank you for taking the time and coming and sharing all of your sales wisdom with us today. Thank you for having me. It was honestly such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ambitious Introvert Podcast with me, Emma Louise Parks. If you enjoy this show, please, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. As a thank you, one lucky reviewer each month will win a 60-minute one-on-one coaching session with me, where you'll get the clarity and confidence to attract your ideal clients. And if you know someone who could benefit from listening to the show, then please do share and help me reach as many fellow ambitious introverts as possible.